This podcast brought to you by ACES, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Morin for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. There's a fundamental assumption in information architecture that producers need to organize their content before consumers can access it effectively. But what if content didn't have to be organized in advance of its access or even organized by producers at all? What if each consumer's individual perspective could direct the organization of content independent of the actions of other consumers? Primal Fusion's Robert Barlow Bush and Peter Sweeney provide demonstrations of existing technologies that are already moving the web towards more consumer-directed forms of information architecture. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So I want to start just by asking, who here has a digital camera? Wow, just about everybody. That's, that's no surprise. Digital cameras have basically taken over the photography business at this point. Now, if you think back to the first digital cameras that came up, uh, how, how would you describe their quality and performance? Slow? generally kind of lousy. They took awful pictures, right? You could only look at the pictures on your computer. You know, existing processes for printing photos didn't really, weren't compatible with that. You know, the whole idea is that they, they were lousy to start off with. And professionals completely wrote them off. Why would anyone use that? And yet today, most professional photographers are using digital photography, digital cameras. Now, this is a classic characteristic of disruptive technologies. Disruptive technologies start off really underperforming. They're just not good enough to actually use or to, to use for any serious purpose. However, they do get better. And they eventually get better not just to serve the low end of a market, you know, the people for whom it's just good enough, but they continue on a trajectory till eventually they get good enough to serve the high end of the market as well. And this is sort of the central idea behind disruptive technologies. And if you want to learn more, be sure to check out Clayton Christensen's book, The Innovator's Dilemma. That's really where this model has come from. So today we want to propose that semantic technology is on this curve. Semantic technology needs to be on our radar as information architects. And take a look at really what semantic technology is about. It's about... Uh, Automating the creation of concept models is a very concise way of saying it. It's about uh, creating, allowing computers to, to recognize ideas and concepts and topics and what they mean and how they're related to each other and then enable new uh, computing algorithms to do interesting things with that data. <clears throat> now let's compare that to IA. There is a real overlap between the objectives and goals of these two areas. IA is also about concept models. If you go to the Crowdvine site right now, actually, you know how they asked us all that question about what's your favorite UX tool or IA tool? Concept models is, I think, the second biggest tag in that tag cloud right now. So it's something that IA has developed a lot of uh, you know, methods and practices and tools to help with, and semantic technology is coming like a freight train here. It's right in IA's backyard, so we need to be aware of these things. In a nutshell, the disruption that we 
suspect is going to occur, because we're seeing it start to happen now, is that no longer will you need one group of people to organize data in advance for another group of people. These technologies allow information to become self-organizing. And in so doing, it means that consumers will actually be able, at the time that they want information, to say, here's, here's what I want. Here's how I'm thinking about this particular subject. And these technologies can respond by, in real time, right at that moment, organizing it the way that it should in response to that request from the consumer. <clears throat> so that, that's, the, that's the proposal in a nutshell there. So I think uh, I'm going to toss it over to Pete here to tell us a little bit more about this technology and, and why we, we need to keep our eye on this. We've, we've heard this sort of thing for a long time, haven't we? There's a, some people nodding in the audience. Um, the, the notion of a semantic web of, of semantic technologies emerging into the mainstream has been something that we've expected for many, many years. And it's been slow in coming, frankly. So the question becomes, when? When might this happen? Well, what we wanted to do today is actually show you some technologies that are actually up and running today to make it very much in the present. But the other thing I wanted to do, if we could just go to the, the next slide, is talk about why the pace of the semantic technology and the semantic innovation is accelerating. Because it's, it's important to understand not only where we are on the curve right now, but how quickly we're rising up that curve. And which is really interesting about Web 2.0 is something that is, is not within the semantic technology crowd, uh, but it more than anything else, I think, is really accelerating the emergence of these semantic technologies into the mainstream. And the reason is that semantic technologies love data. They love big data. And Web 2.0 has created this abundance of semi-structured data into the ecosystem. Wikipedia, for example, that poster child of Web 2.0, is the most important source for semantic technologies now. Now, you have a number of these very niche and specialized semantic technologies that have been baking over decades, frankly. But once they have this data, this, this proliferation of semi-structured data to work with, they become far more performant far more quickly than in the past. The other thing that's happening is this notion of the semantic web. How many people have, have heard about the semantic web? Just a, a quick poll. Oh, fantastic. So the semantic web is a, uh, a group of initiatives, a whole bunch of stuff that's going on uh, in order to essentially provide semantic technologists with a way, a common framework to cooperate and to interoperate. So basically what's happening is that companies like Primal Fusion and many, many others are creating this type of specialized semantic data and pushing it out into this ecosystem that we call a semantic web. And because of that, each of these technologies can begin to cooperate in ways that they couldn't before. So we have the spirit of cooperation all using this common framework. And again, that's accelerating the emergence of this structured data. So again, we're going to keep it real. We're going to show you some, well, are we going to show? <laughs> Looks like we're not going to show functioning demos. We're going to do that puppet sucks. shows uh, to show you what this stuff could look like. Uh, but the undercurrent of all of this is 
as these technologies begin playing together, you're going to see an accelerating emergence of a truly semantic web over the next coming years. Okay? All right, so uh, if, uh, if anybody has burning questions as we go, feel free to shout them out. Um, we absolutely will have some time for discussing some of these big ideas at the end. So, I, yeah, I apologize, folks. I, while Pete was talking, I was trying to get the network going. It is not cooperating. The Peabody network doesn't reach here. Is, do we have more good news? Yeah, we'll, I, I'm going to proceed. We'll, we'll probably end up running out of time. So the good news is having the functional demos is not absolutely essential for this. We're, we'll, we're going to go to plan B. Uh, okay, so the first, the first product we want to talk about is Freebase. Anybody familiar with Freebase? Uh, Freebase is uh, uh, an, an interesting example. Let me just get this over to the screen here. So here we have a screenshot of Freebase. And I'm going to have to turn backwards to see what I'm clicking now. What Freebase is, is it's almost like Wikipedia, but for the relationships between ideas and concepts. It's open to anyone to go in and edit and add, just like Wikipedia is. So what we're looking at right now is a page about the Peabody Hotel. And what's interesting is that you see that uh, it understands what the Peabody Hotel is. There's a, this idea of types. I'm going to mirror my display. One sec. OK, you guys see that still? Cool. Now I can see it, too. <clears throat> So if we go, we, we can see that the Peabody Hotel has certain characteristics, like a location. It has uh, a type of building. It is a type of structure. Now, what I was going to demo here is if we go into, say, building, and we say, show me the schema for building, what we would see is that building, as an idea, has all kinds of structure around it. You would see that buildings have architects. They have architectural styles. Uh, they even have information about projects related to buildings. There's this enormous wealth of information about what objects are and what com fundamental components they're made up of. So it's a, it's a fantastic resource. Now what's underpinning Freebase and many other semantic services is uh, a subset of the semantic web that's called linked open data. Now linked open data is uh, Essentially, it's like a great big distributed database. Presently, it has about 4.5 billion records of information within it. And what's so cool about this resource in the semantic web is that anybody can use it. And anybody can use it like a database. So it's not just retrieving 4.5 billion records. It's how can each of those different facts be joined together to create more information, to create new insights into information. Again, all of it is already available. So there's an example of one product that, that we could have in our toolbox for, for getting data. Uh, another one we want to talk about now is uh, Zephira and a product called Remix. This is just an example of a general class of tools that are provided for folks, such as ourselves, to use to actually work with data and build new applications from. So Zephira Remix was used to build this example. Of, uh, it came out of MIT originally, the Simile project, and this particular product is called Exhibit. And what we would see is, if, uh, if we could click on this, is that uh, this is a really interesting 
uh, RIA that allows you to learn information about U.S. presidents. It, essentially, it's created a sort of a faceted navigation experience for you to say uh, it's, it's mashed up data about pres presidents with Google Maps, with a timeline at the top, and with facets down the left where you can say, show me, you know, presidents by religion or by political affiliation. And uh, it's, it's, it's a neat little tool to, to sort of play with data. So another part of the, the semantic web, but this time it's on the tool set side. So not just providing the data, but also providing tools to do interesting stuff with it. Really important point about this is that these tools are designed not for professionals. They're not designed necessarily for classificationists or librarians or architects, but consumers. Anyone who wants to build a type of complex website like this has the tools available right now to go out and do that. All right, moving on to another demo here. This is an interesting one. Uh, has anyone uh, had a chance to play with uh, Calais, Open Calais, and familiar? You'll want to check this out. So this is brought to us by Thomson Reuters, the news agency. They're using semantic technology very heavily right now. And they're making some of their tools available to anyone. So in this example, um, let me uh, pull the screen up for everyone. What I would be able to demo, I can show you the, the results of this only, is uh, you can provide a URL to this service and it will go to that URL and it will read the document. And in this case, we actually pointed it to that uh, seminal interview back in, I think, 2000 of uh, Peter Morville and Lou Rosenfeld uh, by O'Reilly. So the results here, if I could scroll them, you would see that uh, Calais has identified a whole bunch of core ideas in that paper. It's identified people, it's identified places, it's identified disciplines, uh, all kinds of rich information that is now available to us to use in many other purposes. This is a, a class of technology called, uh, I'm sorry, yeah? The URL. Uh, it will be, we'll share these, we'll, we'll post these up on SlideShare, by the way, so you'll be able to see that. Semanticproxy.opencalais.com. So uh, information extraction is, uh, is what this is about, and the notion is you have this unstructured information, a document, and from it you can pull structured data, data that computers can read. The other thing that's really cool about this type of initiative is that they're providing the descriptions of what these things are, they're called entities, in a way that other companies would understand. So they're using a vocabulary that other companies can share and use to interoperate. So if you combine a technology such as this with a resource such as the, uh, the, the linked data web, you can use this to provide, for example, a structured entity like the name of a person. You can take that key which is in computer speak, and talk to the data web in order to pull out all of the information that might be joined to that particular person. So you can see how these technologies are cumulative. It's not just a one-hit wonder. I mean, in and of itself, the idea of extracting a structured entity from an unstructured document doesn't seem very interesting. But when you piece it together into this larger ecosystem of activity, some really, really cool stuff begins to happen. All right, so breezing through some more of these. And we really are breezing since they're not working. Uh, Clusty. Anybody played with Clusty? 
Okay, quite a few hands here. So uh, Clusty is a, is a useful tool. Uh, it's basically a, a search engine, uh, but uh, a little step beyond that. Let me just zoom in here so you can see a, a Clusty screenshot up close. Uh, turn on the mirror, and there we go. <clears throat> so when you do a search with Clusty, it is uh, presenting you with the normal search results we, we'd expect to see, but then it's clustering ideas contained within those search results, basically providing a way to filter through uh, the vast number of results you have. Now, for any of these, we could click them and expand to see more ideas, uh, to dig down into it. Again, feeling very much like the familiar faceted navigation experience that we have. And all of this fully automated. So Pete, you had some thoughts. Yeah, so, so clustering is a, is a fantastic tool if you've got uh, large corpora that you've got to, to, to manage. What, uh, what it's able to do is, looking at a very large set of documents, it can extract the key themes of the different concepts that are embedded across those different documents. So that's, that's something that takes an awful lot of work for people to do. The other thing that's cool about it is that because these, these topics exist across documents, it can actually infer relationships between different ideas. So for example, if I have document A and document B and both of them share uh, a particular idea, then perhaps they share different ideas across those documents as well. So those types of inferences are possible with semantic technology as well. So what we have is not just pulling out themes and ideas, but also pulling out connections and relationships across those ideas as well. So we're starting to see some examples of how this technology is enabling uh, you know, useful consumer applications. So another example of that is Cosmics. Anyone familiar with Cosmics? Couple of hands. Another one that I encourage you to check out. So uh, with Cosmics, let me go through the little dance here again, pull it up so you can see. Uh, Cosmics is a site where you, you visit it and say, here's a topic I'm interested in. So in this case, we uh, are looking at climate change. And it basically creates a website for you about this topic. Now, if we were to explore this website, we would see that it's pulled together snippets of inf information from Wikipedia, from search results, from blogs, from news stories, there's audio, there's video, and all of this is augmented again, as you can see over on the right, with related ideas to climate change. So you can then explore some more. So it's another way to, to experience information about this topic on the web. So this, this is obviously hitting close to home, or at least it, it should be. You have a site here that's actually building websites, and it's building a website every time somebody types something into the query box. So what it's doing behind the scenes, at least as far as I can guess, is that it's taking a query, whatever you type into that search box, and it's situating it within a very large concept model that Cosmix has running underneath the surface. So the notion of, of using taxonomies or ontologies behind the scenes is a very important part of, of semantic technologies in general. Once they get the intent from the user, they can take that and situate it as best they can within that existing concept model. 
And then they can do some really cool things and really fast things. When they find out, for example, that this particular topic belongs in this particular spot within this, this knowledge structure, they can judiciously decide which other sources on the web might be relevant to this particular topic. And then in real time, they can take that query and federate it across all of those different sources. So it's unfortunate that we can't scroll down here because it's really quite impressive the, the amount of content that they can aggregate together. Uh, different photos, different blogs, Q&A, uh, a whole host of different media, all within the context that the person has established. Oh, this particular one is, is human rights now, but I'm sure your, your question will hold with either topic. <laughs> oh, okay, we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't get from there to here. <laughs> different screenshots at different times. <clears throat> uh, okay, so let's take a look uh, at our final example right now. Um, I, I should mention that, uh, almost, uh, just to reinforce a point that Pete's made about how there's a real spirit of collaboration and cooperation in this industry, so a lot of these products that we're seeing uh, make their data available to you to use in various ways. And so the final example is the product that we're currently working on at Primal Fusion. Same thing holds true. Um, this, is, this data will be available to folks to use in a few ways. So uh, let's uh, zoom in a little bit so you can see this more clearly. Dun, dun, dun. Here we are. So this is a product that's in a very early alpha stage right now, uh, but let me sort of explain to you through a scenario what, what you could accomplish with this. Uh, what we're attempting to do is to take these ideas and the power of semantics and bring it to a far more personal level right now. So let's imagine that uh, you know, I'm a student and I have to write a paper on the, on the relationship of climate change to economics. What we've built here is a product that will allow you to have a conversation with, uh, with Primal Fusion to say, here, here's what I'm thinking about. You know, the, the end goal is for you to say, this is the idea in my mind, this is how I'm thinking about that idea, and then for the underlying data to be available to software agents to help you go act on your thoughts in various different ways. So in this scenario, I would come and say, I'm thinking about climate change. Down below, in the lower panel, we go out to Wikipedia in this example, and we read everything on Wikipedia that has anything to do with climate change, and come back with some of the salient ideas about climate change. At that point, I make some selections and say, okay, climate change is a big subject. Let me tell you a little bit about how I'm thinking about it. So you pick off some of these subjects, and you say, remember those thoughts. Really what you're doing in a nutshell is you're building a tag cloud up in this top panel that represents your take on this subject. So uh, what I'm looking at right now is really just ideas about climate change, but my paper is about climate change and economics. So I need to bring some other ideas that the system currently doesn't think of as being related. And I would do that by going down to the bottom and exploring economics now. I'm still keeping my context on climate change. So we do the same thing. We read Wikipedia all about economics, give you lots of ideas about economics, pick off the ones that are relevant to how you're thinking, and remember those. And so the tag cloud you would have up top would really reflect this combination of ideas from these two distinct disciplines. 
Underneath that is a lot of semantic data that's connecting these things. Primal fusion is automatically creating new taxonomies and ontologies about, about these topics. And then at this point, there are a lot of different things in the future that you'll be able to do for today um, in our alpha. You can create a website. Let me just uh, quickly show you what those websites look like. I will make no claims to saying that they're pretty at the moment, but, uh, but the idea is you can now create this resource that didn't exist before about this, uh, this, this intersection of topics that um, you know, other semantic technologies might not normally think of as being related. So that, that's in a nutshell what's going on with this particular product at this stage in, in its development. Pete, you had some further thoughts. Yeah, so, so most of the, uh, the technologies uh, in, in, uh, in the semantic world are of, uh, of analysis. They're about um, trying to extract these, these structured representations of uh, knowledge from existing sources. So you have a bunch of documents. You want to be able to pull out all of the different uh, ideas and thoughts within those documents. Uh, Primal Fusion, by comparison, is a synthetic technology. So it's not about extracting ideas as much as helping people create new ideas. So the artifact that we've introduced here is what we call a thought network. And a thought network is really just a specialized type of semantic graph, a machine-readable data. And what the technology is doing by having this conversation with the consumer is it's actually creating dynamically the semantic graph uh, that didn't exist before. And why that's so important is that once a computer has this machine-readable data, it can do some amazing things with it. And we've seen a lot of those, well, we've told you a lot about <laughs> some of those amazing things uh, already. Uh, but things like creating a website is, is a cakewalk once you give a computer you know, a list of the ideas, the connections, and the content that's collated within it. You can create documents. You can tell it to automate searches on the internet. You can tell it to find like-minded individuals. You have this incredible breadth of new capabilities that are enabled with this semantic data. So what, what we're trying to show here in a nutshell is this idea of all of this tech is, is quite specialized. It's quite deep, but it's all very purposeful within specific niches. But once you have a distributed web, and once you have a semantic web, you have an ability to piece together solutions that use each of these specialties and cooperate to create some really powerful solutions. So just a quick survey of some of the things that we've, uh, we've looked at. Um, just as a, a, a quick caveat, I'm not an information architect. So what we're hoping to do in the Q&A is, is surface some of the ideas that we have about these subjects and, and get from you your impressions on, A, whether this stuff really is disruptive to what you do, and if so, how is it disruptive? But just as a quick survey of some of the things that we've looked at, um, we've looked at concept extraction, extracting the structural um, concept models from unstructured information, or even just the idea of information. Uh, we've looked at connecting information together in a myriad of different ways. We've looked at taking content inventories and collating content to a conceptual model that you've created. Uh, we've looked at a number of examples of website building, you know, technologies that are able to synthesize documents and to synthesize websites. 
And in Primal Fusion, we looked at synthesizing the actual semantic data itself, giving people an ability to create semantic representations of the way that they're thinking about the world so that computers can actually help automate their lives. So for us, again, as, as people who are coming you know, from without the information architecture world, that seems to be stepping on some toes. You know, and just to, to return to, and, and I should also say that obviously information architecture is much, much broader than the activities that I've just enumerated there. But I think it's also important to note that the semantic technology is coming fast. It's becoming quite good at the very specialized tasks that it provides. And also, I think it provides a tremendous extension to an IA's toolkit in order to enable consumers to really provide more malleable and more personal information. So uh, flag us down, come up, grab these cards, be happy to give them out. Thanks for coming today, folks. Thank you. Hi. To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesnarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.